The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. All right, if you are a kid, raise your hand. Yeah, right. You're, all right. If you're a kid, I need your help tonight, okay? All right, if you're a kid, I need your help because I'm going to have you say a word. So whenever you see this slide come up, I want you to look here. What's that say? Well done. You're ready. So we're going to say, every time you see that slide, you're going to say that loudly, okay? So we're going to practice right now. Ready? Ew! All right, good. That's very good. I'm glad you guys are ready and pumped up to go because parents, if you need to help, it doesn't sound like you need to help them. But if you do, you can help your children say that. As a matter of fact, if you raised your hand and you were an adult, that's true. You are a child of God. And this is an active style kind of learning sermon. So participation counts. It helps in learning. Got it? So actually everybody can say that tonight if you want to. Got it? Every time you see that, you get to say it. So do you remember, um, I, I got the, the privilege to start our marriage sermon series a couple months back. And when I, I spoke, I told you how I met my wife. And, and when I met my wife, uh, I've always been, a, I have a name attached to me uh, by her. I'm always going to be the trash man in my family. I'm always going to be the trash man because I get the privilege having six kids to take out the full, disgusting, overflowing trash can like every, several times a week. And that is pretty what? That's pretty new, right. And then sometimes on the weekends when I don't have many soccer games to play or coach or watch, my wife, Jen, has a honey-do list. And on that honey-do list, that includes some yucky and gross, like, deep cleaning projects. For example, how often do you look under your couch? How about under the cushions? Or under your bed? How about behind the fridge? Behind the stove? How about behind the washer and dryer? How about inside the shower drains? Yeah, you ever do that? How bad does that get if you don't periodically look and clean those? Undoubtedly, the pictures that are going through your mind right now, uh, you don't want to think about anymore. Because it probably includes what? Dust bunnies, I don't know, uh, crumbs, hair, uh, rubber bands, or worse yet, dead, creepy things? Dead, creepy things? But here's the thing. That's not working. That's a glitch. But I'm glad you have those screens, okay? So the people that are watching the sermon uh, online uh, later in the week, uh, you're just going to have to hear, you know? It really says, ooh, back there. But, um, okay, where was I? So, dead, creepy things? Is that where I was? Really? That's where I left off? But here's the thing. Unless you periodically peek in those things that, that need deep cleaning. <laughs> Did I say behind, behind the television screen there's... A, no, anyway. Unless you periodically peek behind those places, 
what's going to happen is there's going to be piles of ooh, and they just keep getting bigger and bigger, and one day you're going to have to deal with it. Yay! Ew. Some of you know what this, uh, what do they call this, Steve, by the way? This is a gif or something, like a, not a meme. Is it a meme? It's from, it's, from, it's from the Fallon Show. I knew, I knew yeah. that. Some of you guys yeah. got that, right? Yeah. It was from the Fallon Show, you know? Uh, anyway, all right, so Ash Wednesday. This is what it is. It's the beginning of Lent, and it's really a time to look at those kind of dusty places, not in our homes, but where? In our hearts and in our lives. Because we need, periodically, deep cleaning, don't we? We need, that deep, we need God to change us. And there's a church word for that. And that church word is called repentance. Repentance. The Greek word, actually, that the English word comes from, it's called metanoia. And it actually, it literally means you're going one way and you're going to do a 180. You're going to change the direction. You're going to return. 180 to return, change direction, turn around. That's what repentance means. So Lent really is a time to think about returning to the Lord your God. That's the emphasis that we put on. And what I found from uh, the scriptures, I really like this from Hosea chapter 6. It's one of my wife's actually favorite books of the Bible. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it says it this way. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. And verse three, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. You see, when we look at those areas in our lives that need deep cleaning, well, what happens then is it causes us to return. Return to God. And what does the scripture say it will do? what God will do. He'll restore. He'll revive. He'll heal. But what types of things need cleaning in our lives? You ever consider that? What types of things need cleaning in our lives? Bad habits? Laziness? Lying? Arguing? Cheating? You're getting lower and lower here, guys. Anger? Gossip? That's pretty good. And many other things that are on your hearts that you probably don't want to even think about, but it's this kind of deep cleaning time that we're going with tonight. So as Christians, we don't just repent on on a, you know, a Lent time. That's not the only time we repent, is it? I mean, weekly... We might do that when we come into worship. Maybe if you're a part of a small group, you do that. Maybe if you're one-on-one with a person or if it really gets bad, you come in to see one of us as pastors. And, and typically it happens, you know, silently in our hearts, hopefully on a daily and individual basis with God. There's one type of repentance, though, this returning and confessing that's kind of this self-awareness and apology to God. It's when we didn't realize we did something wrong and somebody points it out to us, and we say, oh, man, I really messed up. Man, if I knew it was wrong, I wouldn't have done that. That's one type of repenting and confessing. But there's another type that I want to talk about tonight. There's kind of this other level of repentance and returning and confession that sometimes we just want to avoid. 
Sometimes we just don't even want to go there. We don't want to even look at, at it. Just like that deep cleaning kind of projects in our house. This kind of confession says, oh God, I really messed that up. This is really a big, ugly It's this kind of thing that says, you know, I knew it was wrong. And if you give me and you put me in that circumstance again, I'd probably do the same thing over. It's that kind of, ew, I'm sorry, I need your help. It's those areas in our lives when we don't want to confess that. We don't even want to go there or think about it because we resist and we want to try to avoid. And you know what this causes? It causes a separation between us and God and us and other people. A separation. And there's no point really in pretending that, it's, that we don't have that kind of sin. There's, there's no point in pretending um, any more than it's like we pretend and we, we don't look at those deep cleaning places and we just think it's all clean, right? There's no way. We all have those ew kinds of sins. You do, I do. The only one that never did is who? Jesus. But you know where it all started? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Look up in the scriptures, Genesis chapter 3, because it starts with the first people God created. And we're going to just take a look tonight, just a quick look about what happened and how it went this way that we have to say, you. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, on page 5 in the Bibles we provide. And I'll read from 6 to 13. Okay? You ready? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, that's the tree that God said not to eat from, okay? When when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord, God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman, you put me here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. And I'll stop there for just a minute and, and just ask, you know, when Adam and Eve committed that first sin, what was their reaction? Besides blaming and pointing the finger at somebody else, look at verse 8. They what? They hid from God. They hid from God. They were ashamed. They didn't want God to know that they sinned. They didn't want God's disappointment or his punishment. It kind of reminds me of this. You ever play hide-and-seek game with little bitty children? And they really don't know how to hide, you know? You watch them, and when it's their turn, you, you know, to hide, they kind of just go right in the middle of the room, okay? And they, 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 they close their eyes, and, and they think, well, you know what? If I can't see them, well... They can't see what? They can't see me. And we kind of chuckle and we laugh about that. But it's kind of the game that Adam and Eve played, isn't it? And it really wasn't a game, in fact. 
It wasn't. We don't return to God because we hope that we, we, we don't acknowledge our sinfulness. You know, God won't see it, right? I mean, if we, we don't return to God because we hope that if we don't acknowledge our sinfulness, God won't see it. Adam and Eve, they hid. And what did God do? He called out for them, didn't he? He went after them. He searched for them. He pursues them. He pursues people who stray away and try to hide. And why were they hiding? They're hiding because they don't want to be seen as less than perfect, right? Less than perfect. We're afraid, I think, that if anyone sees us and who we really are, including and maybe especially God, we're going to lose their love. And so isn't it so true this, that human beings, they're eager to conceal our imperfections? Isn't that true? I mean, from makeup to hair loss. I was chuckling at Joe over there. This, I think we were eating soup. I said, man, your hair is getting grayer than mine. You know, we're to start putting, we, we both confess that we, we both use that gel so that our hair doesn't look so gray. From Botox to cheating on tests to cover-ups, both individually and the government, whatever we try to show the world, don't we, that, that we're cleaned up and that we look presentable on the outside? Isn't that so? We strive to be seen as innocent of any wrongdoing, but underneath all the striving to be good, when all is said and done, we still get it wrong as often as we try to get it right. Isn't that so? So it's accidentally or on purpose. We hurt ourselves. We hurt others. We create suffering. Each one of us has the potential to do great damage to our relationship with one another and with God. And it's definitely a big you. It's a big you. So I want you to, to go back to Genesis verse 16. After the finger pointing happens, after the hiding happens, God, really as the perfect father, He had to give consequences for Adam and Eve's sin. So verse 16 says it this way. To the woman, he, that's God, said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. All the moms in the room know how true that is, right? Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Here's the first mention of anyone dying. You'll return to the ground. God didn't create man to die. Since from it you were taken, and read these last words, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. We're all dust. God took dust, dirt from this earth and he created Adam and Eve. And everyone after that has been made from the same stuff. Now maybe it's strange for you to think about considering yourself as as made out of dust. But some fun facts for you. Are you ready? Approximately 75 to 90% of the dust in your home is actually what? Dead skin cells. Kind of gross, right? Approximately 30,000 skin cells fall off you per minute. So in a 20-minute sermon, how many is that? You do the math. On average, eight pounds of dead skin cells fall off your body per year. Who needs diets? I mean, 
That's a big what? Ew. It tells you that we're all dust. And what we do each year on Ash Wednesday during communion is we put a cross of ashes on your forehead. And you'll hear words something like, you are dust and to dust you'll return. And it kind of reminds you and each of us that our bodies are made of this dust that God needs to do some deep cleaning in us, doesn't it? Here's the good news. The good news is that God is not made out of dust. He's an almighty and all-powerful God. He's at work among us. Just as God was at work filling up Adam and Eve to give them the breath of life, he's the same way with us. You see, God knows that we're dust. God knows that we, never, that now we don't always get it right. Here's what I like about God. He just doesn't scoop up the dust into a dustpan and throw it all away or blow it off the face of the earth, does he? He doesn't do it. Just as his breath that blew into Adam and Eve to give them life, God does the same with us. Every time you hear the word of God, every time the spirit comes to you, it reminds us that we are a new creation. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. That's the deep cleaning God does. And it's not this deep cleaning that like, you know, just this past week, because I have visitors, not visitors, I actually have my son coming to, to, with his wife uh, uh, this week. So I had to deep clean that's my job, deep clean bathrooms, right? But it's not like deep cleaning a bathroom. And get, What God does is you get a brand new, get a brand new start. It's squeaky clean and all new. It's like this. God sees us in the middle of the garden. We're trying to hide from him, aren't we? We're hiding from God with a what? Polished performance, more good works on the exterior, whatever it is. But God is pursuing us, not to scold us, but to warn us. He wants us to return. And when return, when we return, he promises something, a brand new relationship. I love that. God's aching to do what we often are afraid to ask of him, to breathe new life into us. And here's the thing. When we hear God's word, the Holy Spirit is working to cause us to return. Are you about our sins really shows us that, God, we're ready. We're ready for restoration. I want you to look one more time at Hosea, these words, beginning in verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. That's the uncomfortable feeling we get because of God's discipline. He's torn us to pieces, but he will heal us, the Bible says. He has injured us. What does that mean? He's injured us. The consequences to our sin hurt. But that discomfort gets our attention, doesn't it? But then what's the promise? He will bind up our wounds. After two days, in verse 2 it says, he will revive us on the third day, just as God raised Jesus from the dead. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. So tonight, as we celebrate Ash Wednesday together, here's my ask of you, that you would return to the Lord your God and come to him with any sorrow that you have. Whatever you're ashamed of, whatever it is that's hard for you to confess, return to the Lord your God with all the baggage, with all the issues that we have. And guess what happens? Adam and Eve, they became alive when God breathed into their dust bodies. The same thing happens to us. 
We are made new. We have new life. God deep cleans us when we open up to him, when we tell him we're sorry. And here's the good news. Remember that you're dust, but that's not all you are. Remember that you're dust, that's not all you are. You're full of God's own spirit. The spirit that says that you're gonna live with him forever. How do I know that? Because Jesus died on the cross. And after he died on the cross, what did he do? He rose again from what? From the dead. And then he promises this. He says, not only did I send into heaven, but I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. And when I return physically one day, we're gonna receive brand new bodies. Brand new bodies. No more sin or dust. And you know what that means? No more need to repent. No more need to return. No more hiding from God. And finally, one last time, no more. Well done. Kids and adults who are kids, thanks for your help tonight. I hope you realize that that, that the ooh that sin is, it's not just that. I hope you leave remembering this. Remember that Jesus took our ooh, all right? Jesus took our ooh and was punished for our sins. He loves us. He's made a place in heaven for us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to repeat these words after me. Can you do that, everybody? Say this. Jesus forgives my ooh. He loves me. Say it one more time. Jesus forgives my you, he loves me. Amen. Can you say amen? Now, before we celebrate Holy Communion, before the ashes that are put on your forehead happens, I want you to do this. Take some moments right now as I prepare the table. Would you prepare your hearts? Confess your sins. Name them specifically. Say you're sorry even for the sins you don't know about. And then thank Jesus when that cross is put on your head. Jesus and his love will never leave you no matter how dirty you are.